Chapter Seven of the Lances of Linwood by Charlotte Mary Young. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. As Eustace was returning, his attention was caught by repeated groans, which proceeded from a wretched little hovel almost level with the earth. Hark! said he to Ingram, a tall, stout man at arms from the Linwood estate, didst thou not hear a groaning? Some of the Castilians, sir to think that the brutes should be content to live in holes not fit for swine but methought it was an english tongue listen john and in truth english ejaculations mingled with the moans to st joseph of glastonbury a shrine of silver blessed lady of taunton a silver candlestick oh st dunstan eustace doubted no longer and stooping down and entering the hut he beheld as well as the darkness would allow him leonard ashton himself stretched on some mouldy rushes and so much altered that he could scarcely have been recognized as the sturdy ruddy youth who had quitted the lances of linwood but five weeks before eustace eustace he exclaimed as the face of his late companion appeared can it be you have the saints sent you to my succour it is i myself leonard replied eustace and i hope to aid you how is it let me feel your hand that i may be sure you are flesh and blood cried ashton raising himself and grasping eustace's hand between his own which burnt like fire and then lowering his voice to a whisper of horror she is a witch who asked eustace making the sign of the cross leonard pointed to a kind of partition which crossed the hut beyond which eustace could perceive an old hag-like woman bending over a cauldron which was placed on the fire having made this effort he sank back hiding his face with his cloak and trembling in every limb a thrill of dismay passed over the night and the giant john ingram stood shaking like an aspen pale as death and crossing himself perpetually oh take me from this place eustace repeated leonard or i am a dead man both body and soul but how came you here leonard i fell sick some three days since and fearing infection sir william felton bade me be carried from his lodgings the robbers his men-at-arms stripped me of all i possessed and brought me to this dog-hole to the care of this old hag oh eustace i have heard her mutter prayers backwards and last night oh last night at the dead hour there came in a procession of that i would take my oath seven black cats each holding a torch with a blue flame and danced around me till one laid his paw upon my breast and grew and grew with its flaming eyes fixed on me till it was as big as an ox and the weight was intolerable 
the while her spells were over me, and I could not open my lips to say so much as an Ave Mary. At last the cold dew broke out on my brow, and I should have been dead in another instant when I contrived to make the sign of the cross, whereat they all whirled wildly round, and I fell. Oh, I fell miles and miles downwards, till at last I found myself at morning's light with the hateful old witch casting water in my face. Oh, Eustace, take me away. Such were the times that Eustace Linwood, with all his cool sense and mental cultivation, believed implicitly poor Leonard's delirious fancy, black cats and all, and the glances he cast at the poor old Spaniard were scarcely less full of terror and abhorrence. As he promised Leonard, whom he now regarded only in the light of his old comrade, that he should without loss of time be conveyed to his own tent. "'But go not, leave me not,' implored Leonard, clinging fast to him, almost like a child to its nurse, with a hand which was now cold as marble. "'No, I will remain,' said Eustace. "'And you, Ingram, hasten to bring four of the men with the litter in which Master Dobricourt came from Burgos. Hasten, I tell you!' Ingram, with his eyes dilated with horror, appeared but too anxious to quit this den, yet lingered. "'I leave you not here, Sir Knight.' "'Thanks, John,' replied the youth. "'But remain I must, and will. "'As a Christian man, I defy the foul fiend and all his followers.' John departed. Never was Leonard so inclined to rejoice in his friend's clerkly education or in his knighthood, which was then so much regarded as a holy thing, that the presence of one whose entrance into the order was so recent was deemed a protection. The old woman, a kind-hearted creature in the main, though certainly forbidding-looking in her poverty and ugliness, was rejoiced to see her patient visited by a friend. She came towards them, addressing Eustace with what he took for a spell, though had he understood Spanish he would have found it a fine flowing compliment. Leonard shrank closer to him, pressed his hand faster, and he, again crossing himself, gave utterance to a charm. Spanish, especially old Castilian, had likeness enough to Latin for the poor old woman to recognize its purport. She poured out a voluble vindication, which the two young men believed to be an attempt at further bewitching them. Eustace, finding his Latin rather the worse for wear, had recourse to all the strange rhymes or exorcisms, English, French, or Latin, with which his memory supplied him. Thanks to these, the sorceress was kept at bay, and the spirits of his terrified companion were sustained, till the arrival of all the lances of Linwood, headed by Gaston himself, upon his mule, in the utmost anxiety for his knight, looking as gaunt and spectral as the phantoms they dreaded he blessed the saints when eustace came forth safe and sound and smiled and shook his hand with an arch look when leonard was carried out 
but his never-failing good nature prevented him from saying a word which might savour of reproach when he saw to what a condition the poor youth was reduced as four stout men-at-arms took up the litter the old woman coming forth to her threshold uttered something which his knowledge of romanesque tongues of southern france enabled him to interpret into a vindication of her character and a request for a reward for her care of the sick englishman throw her a gold piece sir eustace or she may cast at you an evil eye there you old hag he added in the provencal patois dig that and thank your stars that tis not with a fire that your tender care as you call it is requited the men-at-arms meditated ducking the witch after their own english fashion but it was growing late and dark and the knight gave strict orders that they should keep together in their progress to their own tents here leonard was deposited on the couch which gaston insisted on giving up to him but his change of residence appeared to be of little advantage for the camp was scarce quiet for the night before he shrieked out that the black cats were there neither eustace nor gaston could see them but that was only a proof that they were not under the power of the enchantment and john ingram was quite sure that he had not only seen the sparkle of their fiery eyes but felt the scratch of their talons which struck him to the ground with his foot caught in the rope of the tent while he was walking about with his eyes shut the scratch was actually on his face the next morning and he set out at the head of half the lances of linwood to find the poor old woman and visit her with condign punishment but she was not forthcoming and they were obliged to content themselves with burning her house assisted by a host of idlers in the meantime sir eustace had called in the aid of the clergy the chaplains of the camp came in procession sprinkled the patient's bed with holy water and uttered an exorcism but without availing to prevent a third visit from the enemy after this however leonard's fever began to abate and he ceased to be haunted he had been very ill and thoroughly alarmed he thought himself dying and bitterly did he repent of the headstrong insubordination and jealousy which had led him to quit his best and only friend he had not indeed the refinement of feeling which would have made eustace's generosity his greatest reproach he clung to him as his support and received his attentions almost as a right but still he was sensible that he had acted like a fool and that such friendship was not to be thrown away and when he began to recover he showed himself subdued to a certain degree grateful and decidedly less sullen and more amenable to authority in the meantime the prince of wales found himself sufficiently recovered to undertake to return to aquitaine and weary of the treacherous delays and flagrant crimes of his ally he resolved to quit this fatal land of castile there was a general cry of joy throughout the camp when orders were given that the tents should be struck and the army begin its march in the early coolness of the next morning and without further adventure the black prince led his weakened and reduced forces over the pyrenees back into france here they were again dispersed as the war was at an end and the young sir eustace linwood received high commendation from the prince and even from chandos himself 
for being able to show his brother's band as complete in numbers and discipline as on the day when it was given into his charge this as chandos said was a service which really showed him worthy of his spurs if he would but continue the good course the peace with france however prevented the prince from being desirous of keeping up the lances of linwood and he therefore offered to take their young leader into his own troop of knights who were maintained at his own table and formed a part of his state and so distinguished was this body that no higher favour could have been offered edward likewise paid to sir eustace a considerable sum as the purchase of his illustrious captive and this together with the ransoms of the two other prisoners enabled him to reward the faithful men-at-arms some of whom took service with other knights and others returned to england leonard ashton having no pleasant reminiscences of his first campaign and having been stripped of all his property by his chosen associates was desirous of returning to his father and eustace after restoring his equipments to something befitting an esquire of property and liberally supplying him with the expenses of his journey bade him an affectionate farewell and saw him depart not without satisfaction at no longer feeling himself accountable for his conduct there he goes said gaston and i should like to hear the details he will amaze the good somersetshire folk with i trow he will make them believe that he took to guesclin himself and that the prince knighted you by mistake his tale of the witches will be something monstrous said eustace but still methinks he is much the better for his expedition far less crabbed in temper and less clownish in manners ay said gaston if he were never to be under any other guidance than yours i think the tough ash-bough might be moulded into something less unshapely you have a calmness and a temper such as he cannot withstand nor i understand tis not want of spirit but it is that you never seem to take or see what is meant for affront i should think it tameness in any other well poor fellow i wish he may prosper said eustace but now gaston to our own affairs let us see what remains of the gold ah your bounty to our friend there has drawn deeply on our purse said gaston it shall not be the worse for you gaston for i had set aside these thirty golden crowns for you before i broke upon my own store it is not such a recompense as reginald or i myself would have wished after such loving and faithful service but gold may never recompense truth as for recompense said gaston i should be by a long score the debtor if we came to that if it had not been for sir reginald i should be by this time a reckless freebooter without a hope in this world or the next and if it had not been for you these bones of mine would long since have been picked by my cousins the spanish wolves but let the gold tarry in your keeping it were better king edward's good crowns should not be after all else that has been 
in my hands but gaston you will need fitting out for the service of sir william beauchamp what what mean you sir eustace cried gaston what have i done that you should dismiss me from your followers nay kind gaston it were shame that so finished a squire should be bound down by my poverty to be the sole follower of a banner which will never again be displayed at the head of such a band as the lances of linwood no sir eustace i leave you not recall your brother's words go not back to the old ways and comrades quoth he and if you cast me off what else is left for me for having once served a banneret no other shall have my service where else should i find one who would care a feather whether i am dead or alive so there it ends put up your pieces or rather give me one wherewith to purvey a new bridle for Briliador, for the present is far from worthy of his name accordingly the gascon squire still remained attached to eustace's service while the trusty englishman john ingram performed the more menial offices time sped away at the court of bordeaux the gallant du guesclin was restored to liberty after twice paying away his ransom for the deliverance of his less renowned brethren in captivity and enrique of trastamare returning to castile was once more crowned by the inhabitants his brother pedro attempting to assassinate him fell by his hand and all the consequences of the english expedition were undone all save the wasting disease that preyed on england's air and the desolation at the orphaned hearth of linwood keep End of chapter seven